Welcome to Reactive. My name is Khalil and I'm here with Raquel. Hi everyone! Hello! Uh, unfortunately, there's no heading today because uh, he has to look after his little one. Z mm -hmm. um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, but I heard instead of uh, Henning, you have animal facts of some sort. I do. I do. Um, so, basically, I want to talk about pandas. Cool. And not red pandas, but giant pandas. The giant black and white pandas. Um, did you know that they are omnivores? People often think that they you know, only eat bamboo, but... Uh, while they will occasionally, so while bamboo counts for 99% of their diet, so 99, uh, they will also occasionally eat small animals and fish. Oh, they are okay. proper bears. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they eat a lot, a lot. Uh, every day they fill their tummies for up to 12 hours, shifting up to 12 kilos of bamboo. <laughs> Wow. So what that means to me is out of 24 hours in every day, a, a giant panda will hang out for literally half the day just eating. <laughs> just eating. Sounds great. Just... <laughs> um, <laughs> but they can get big. They can grow to between uh, 1.2 and 1.5 meters. Uh, and they can weigh between 75 and 135 kilos uh, for the non-metric members of the United States. Um, those are big numbers. Just get over it. Yep. Um, and uh, But baby pandas are born pink and measure about 15 centimeters. Wow. So like the size of a pencil. Oh, they're wow. they're born, they are also born blind and only open their eyes six to eight weeks after birth. Wow, that's cute. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Uh, they do not hibernate, unlike other bears. Uh, when winter approaches, they head lower down their mountain homes to warmer temperatures, where they continue to chomp away on bamboo. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> they don't, they don't hibernate. They just, they just migrate a little bit down the mountain. They're yeah. like, you know what? It's cold. <laughs> I'm going to go on down and keep munching on some bamboo. So there you go. Henning, I hope these panda facts will, will help you uh, as your kids um, hopefully get better real soon. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. But anyway, what's going on? You were on like vacation. What's going and then, on? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was in Croatia, which uh, which was really nice. It was um, we we're just right at the coastline in the south of Croatia, and um, yeah, it was right at the sea. It was still really warm, which for Europe not necessarily uh, uh, the case at this time of the year, like mid and September. So I don't know, it was it was very appreciated. <laughs> And so mm -hmm. we, we, we took a, we rented a little apartment there so we we sometimes cooked our own food and could wash our mm -hmm. stuff and with the baby it's it was a good option. It was a good um thing to have an apartment and um yeah and uh, the but the only downside uh, was a little bit that uh it seems like this um 
So there's like a tourism boom in Croatia since um, like five to ten years, something like that. Uh, it's it's mm. it's like the cheaper Mediter Mediterranean since Italy has become more expensive, and mm. um, and it seems like this area that we were in, which is um, there's like the next city was like forty forty five minutes away by car. Um, it's like just really tiny like villages and stuff like that along the coast is very like just catering to tourists and um, so everything is kind of made like everything is dead if it's not in like if the season is over like nobody restaurants close you know you can't rent an apartment mm -hmm. there and stuff like that nobody really lives there apparently and when you're there when when it's when it's in season then um yeah everything everything is kind of tourist is kind of a tourist trap you know what i mean mm -hmm. so so restaurants uh tend to be more expensive than they maybe sh you know than normally would be you know like normally a restaurant where just locals go to in a city or something like that wouldn't be that expensive and um stuff like that so that was a little bit of a, a downer <clears throat> um mm -hmm. but not really a downer i mean it was still nice it's just it's just sad when you when just when it's just when you don't really ha when you can't really experience a real like the the real kind of country you know it's it's because mm -hmm. the tourist areas always kind of uh, feel like they're not the real deal it's always just like okay we want your money we want your money it's beautiful here but we still want your money and um so that's that. But other than that, I mean, hey, it was amazing. It was beautiful water, nice, nice uh, sun and everything. So that was great. Finally, some vacation. Cool. Yeah. So now I'm back since. Yay, vacation. Uh, yeah. So now I'm back since uh, one and a half weeks or so, or yeah, or a week, and um, uh, I'm on what's it called in English. Um, parental leave is that a thing yes Or, yeah okay yes so i'm still i still have a, a month so now i have like 12 days left um I, i i took another month so you get as a as a dad you get two months in germany and i took the first month in the baby's first month and now the 13th mm -hmm. month so the first month of the first year is my second month you can kind of just put it wherever oh. you want and so i'm still off but i'm I'm doing a lot of baby care stuff, so it's not really like a vacation or anything. It's just like taking no. the baby. But <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. my, my wife is doing so, it most, most yeah. of the time all of the year, and, and now I'm trying to, yeah. to yeah, jump in a little, little bit and help out more. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important for people to realize that like parental leave is not a vacation. <laughs> But like, because in like the United States for so long, parental leave was really just maternity leave. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there was just like, there's just this lack of understanding, I think, from a lot of people that like maternity leave is not a vacation mm -hmm. until like they turned it into parental leave. And so like, then the, like people had paternity leave and maternity leave or just parental leave in general. Mm -hmm. And, um, and who we were like, wow, that's sucks <laughs> i have to wake up all the time and i don't have any time to just like 
Mm-hmm. I wanted to read a book. And it's like, you don't get to read books. Nope. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. Um, you so, can do stuff at night, yeah. but then, you know, you still have to get up at seven when the baby jumps mm-hmm. on top of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. That's but it's good. good. It's good. Um, yeah. It. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to... Uh, to Boston tomorrow. Oh, um, okay. My husband and I are celebrating our five-year anniversary. Woo! So, very exciting. Nice. Very That's happy exciting. about that. Congratulations. Um, and, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, very cool. Um, and what else? Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, what's going on neat. in the tech world for you? Yeah, uh, so... <laughs> I saw what was interesting. Um, the the React the React was relicensed. Uh, we talked about yeah. their licensing thingy uh, a while ago, and how it was uh, mistrusted a lot, and because it complicates things with patents and stuff. And yeah, interestingly, there was a blog post by um, Matt Mullenweg, the mm-hmm. WordPress. Um, uh, founder, author, and mm-hmm. CEO of Automatic, the WordPress company, and he he mm-hmm. basically made this big announcement about um, on his blog where he said, um, "Oh, we were trying to we were we were going to use React for everything for the new WordPress core, um, and they already used it in their backend in the, in their new kind of uh, API based backend with a JavaScript frontend on top of it and." He said, um, uh, "Unfortunately, we have to ditch React because all of this, because of this licensing kerfuffle. Like we can't, we can't be um, because also. So he, so he took the cue of the Apache Foundation saying they putting it on a blacklist, um, putting the React license on a blacklist, and then um, Facebook." basically digging their heels in into into uh this whole thing where they're saying okay we're sticking with it because blah 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 and he said okay well we were hoping that this whole licensing thing would kind of clear up over time and we had this whole blog post like this thousand thousands of words blog post ready in which we would uh, <clears throat> endorse react and re- announce it as the um, JavaScript framework for WordPress and also for plugins of work, WordPress, mm. which, which, I mean, that's, I mean, that's imagine, huge. imagine that promo for like React is already huge, but that would have yeah. made React the defect would make could have made React jQuery basically. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, basically. Basically. So basically. basically, so he was like, yeah, we have this blog post ready, but you know what? We're not going to post it because we can't deal with this license thing. Like, even though it might, you know, have no impact and stuff like that, we can't. Because imagine, like, everybody who has, so all these companies out there. So he also dropped somewhere in there that WordPress covers over a quarter of all websites in the internet, right? Like, is is yeah. the WordPress website, right? Quarter of all right. websites, which is a massive amount. And most of them 
always get security updates. So they will, so they would get the new uh, WordPress core updates all the time. So that would mean that all these companies um, that ho also not companies, but private people or whatever, but also all these companies that um, host their like little company website on WordPress suddenly um, have that license in their WordPress site right? The BSD plus patents mm -hmm. license, which would mean that if you're a little company and you have a little marketing website somewhere hosted with WordPress and you want to sue Facebook because they stole some idea from you or whatever, copied something that you made, then you can't do that because it's in your WordPress website or something like that, which is, which is insane, right? So and it's just like kind of creeping in there. So I think that's also a reason why they didn't want to do that. They didn't want They didn't want uh, to force the patents uh, license, the BSD plus patents license on everybody that's having a WordPress site because it's just not well trusted and also maybe not well understood and and that's that. And so he basically said, "We're ditching, we're ditching it." React, boom. And then the next day, or was it, or within a couple of days. There's the announcement from Facebook where they're saying, oh, which we're relicensing React to MIT. <laughs> <laughs> which, coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, I thought oh, that gosh. was very funny. It really was By the way, for the record, my entire life, my entire life until probably about three months ago, I thought the word was kerfuffle oh, and yeah, yeah. instead of kerfuffle. And it's so there's there's no extra L in there. Mm -hmm. So on mm -hmm. Twitter the other day, I, I asked, I, I basically said kerfuffle versus kerfluffle discuss. Mm -hmm. And so many people sent me these amazing tweets that were like a kerfluffle is like a kerfuffle, except with lots of really fluffy, like, kittens, right? It's like a, like, it's just pandemonium about, with kittens or something. And it's just like, I was like, that's so great. But I still just keep on calling it a kerfluffle. And now I'm like, oh, I've just been sounding like an idiot for the last, like, 30-some-odd years. <laughs> We're saying kerfluffle. <laughs> I have, I've been hearing kerfluffle a lot on podcasts, though. I think there's a lot Have of you? people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe everybody of... wants to hear kerfuffle. Yeah. Maybe instead of it. all the actual kerfuffles in the world, we're just like mentally replacing like all the people involved with like really cute little puppies and mm -hmm. kittens and mm -hmm. like baby foxes. You know, like like little fluffy fluff balls of of, <laughs> of chaos. To totally. That's what happened. <clears throat> okay. Right. Right. <laughs> So, so yeah. React is a little kitten, and WordPress yeah. is a little uh, baby moose. Baby moose. No, fluffy Our moose. moose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carrying on. Let's focus on what we're doing here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can focus, focus, focus. Yeah, so that happened. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That was um, funny. So, yeah. Um, so that was a, yeah, that was a pretty huge thing. Um, so I mentioned this on last week's episode, um, but, you know, two-factor authentication and NPM is out. Yes. Um, and so that's pretty exciting. If you, if you uh, publish modules, like, just at all, please do turn two-factor auth on. Yes. It is a good security feature. 
Um, and if you have a popular package, oh, good God, why haven't you turned it on already? Mm-hmm. It's just a really smart idea. You should always have, I'm, I'm of the opinion that one should always have two-factor authentication on at all times for every service that gives it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so definitely do that. Um, and uh, here's a fun, interesting factoid. Uh, yesterday, or like the day before, sometime between like, Sometime in the last 48 hours. Um, so sometime earlier this week for our listeners who will hear this episode later this week. Um, so China unblocked npmjs.com. And so, like, hmm. I don't know why they blocked it before. Um, and any naysayers, like, yes, I'm aware that they didn't fully block it. It was just really, really, really slow. So they, like, they basically tamped it down, not fully blocked. But most, mm. we did not see very many users from China. Um, our website percentage, like, visitor percentage jumped 17% overnight. Wow. <laughs> because they unblocked it. <laughs> and we're like, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be, this could be very, very big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that I thought was super interesting. And a, a question that I have for you, Khalil, is what percentage of the Chinese population do you think are like developers, particularly like, you know, obviously JavaScript, Node.js uh, type developers, but like what percentage do you think of people there are are in the dev world. In the JavaScript dev world. Yes, in China. In China. I don't actually know the answer to this, by the way. I'm just, I'm okay, like curious to try to... Let me guess. Yeah, I mean, I would my, say, my guess... Yeah, good. I would say 0. 0.00005735579%. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 0.000537%. Okay, so that only comes out to 7,000. That's only like 7,000 people. Oh, that's only 7,000 people. Okay, okay. So, so, no, it's going to be more than 7,000 people. Yeah. (laughs) Let's say say like 3%. 3%. Okay, 3% of, of the Chinese population, which last I checked was about 1.3 billion people, mm-hmm. would be 39 million people. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking maybe like a tenth of a percent, so right. so, so 0.1%, but right. that's still 1.3 million people mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. like, if every single one of them <laughs> suddenly starts visiting npmjs.com, yeah. <laughs> like, our user numbers basically double. <laughs> instantly yeah like ah! wow. so everyone oh, you, on the web see, team did, did you see more yeah. uh traffic for packages for for the so, registry from so china this was specifically for the website um for packages uh there is a a proxy um that oh. um oh gosh i think it might be pnpm or yeah, I think it PNPM is, is the name of the, the Chinese version of NPM. But basically, they have a proxy. So they're able to download packages and things like that. Okay. So their registry access is, is 
maybe a little bit slower, but it's not, it's not totally hindered. Mm-hmm. Um, but npmjs.com was just not really a place that people could access very easily or mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, it was just amazing to us to see like, and then suddenly 17% of our, of our traffic showed like another 17% just showed up. Like it was just like, it wasn't replaced. It was just added on top. And we're like, yeah. Oh, I guess this JavaScript thing, it might take off. <laughs> yeah that's interesting um mm-hmm. it's also such uh such an unknown for for us um in the english speaking mm-hmm. world or you know everybody who's mm-hmm. like what's going on in china and in other countries that don't communicate in english that much uh but do a lot of developing uh like how much Like what is what what is being developed there in JavaScript and what kind of packages do they use a lot of packages? Like are they bundling their JavaScript? What are they doing? <laughs> Nobody knows. And I think there is a there is a Chinese JS conf like uh, in Singapore or something every year. JS Con Uh the JS Conf Asia. Asia. Yeah. 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 So that um, one is it that is such a fun conference, by the way. I yeah. went last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's cool. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And all I can recommend is eating. Because <laughs> <laughs> the food in Singapore, Singapore is so good. It's amazing. Yeah. So good. I need to go back just so I can eat again. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I haven't eaten since last time I went, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, it was American Thanksgiving while I was there. And so it was like, it is my American duty to stuff myself silly. So, of course. I should just do that. And yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. Very wise. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so two-factor. Uh, so did you see a lot of people turning on two-factor um, um Not a lot of people have turned it on yet, uh, mostly because we only announced it at Node Interactive in Vancouver last week. And then we announced it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But um, later this week slash early next week, we're going to be sending the like email, the big email to like everybody who uses us um, about it. And so okay. that's going to be a much bigger, I think, I think more people are going to find out about it. Because it turns out, this is going to be shocking to hear, but it turns out that not every NPM user uses Twitter. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking! I know, I know, I know. It's it's which tricky. is which is a pity because they will not get into the um, they will not get into the uh, uh, to the pleasure uh, of using Twitter with two hundred and eighty characters, which is apparently currently right. a test flight. Yeah. yeah. Um. I've seen a tweet today. Um, and I read a tweet today that had 280 characters, and I found it a little bit long. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. So, yeah, I, I guess it's – I wonder how they're rolling it out because – Well, they're not rolling it out yet. Gotten... They're just it, – no, it's okay. just a test. It's just like there's a few people who have the ability. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're randomly chosen or semi-randomly. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. Um Trump does not have 280 characters. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Please just don't ever turn it off. Just turn it off. Just turn Trump's off. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Okay. Yeah, so a few people were selected and they have the um, pleasure 
of writing in 280 characters. Mm. And um, yeah, it's interesting to yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play out if they're going to actually roll it out to everybody or not because that's not clear yet. They just want to see mm-hmm. how it does, what it does, like how people use it and or if and all the stu- all that stuff. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of outrage. Like a lot of the same kind of lots of people are like ah I don't want two hundred eighty like hundred and forty was fine and that's great and don't do that and da 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 and a lot of people yeah. have been saying this thing like I can't believe you know Trump is gonna have like two like more space for his bullshit or something like that and and just like honestly th- is that really the problem <laughs> the problem yeah. how many characters. <laughs> He has to tweet. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm a little bit sad that I don't have uh, 280 characters to tweet. So I was not selected. I don't know why. Maybe I upset upset somebody at uh, Twitter or or I'm just not cool enough or none of the above. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. So this is an interesting experience. Also, what people have been saying is that it's they're focusing on the wrong stuff. Like some people just want to be able to mm-hmm. edit tweets, and that's an interesting discussion because um, a lot of people are like, okay, um, we just want to edit tweets and just give us, you know, a five-minute window to edit tweets, and and that should be easy. Why don't you do it? Like just do that, and da 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 da, and. Um, and every time I saw that kind of a tweet, I was thinking to myself, yeah, that would be cool. Why don't you do it? You know, like it's easy. Do it. <laughs> it's just a little feature. Just edit a tweet. And then um, uh, Chris Coyer, he had written an article where he wrote like he thought through just as a you know thought experiment. He thought through what would it mean for the Twitter team to implement that feature what would they have to think of he was trying to think of all the different things they would have to think of and he made like a bullet list of it and um and i, I started reading it so the first bullets and i was like yeah okay mm-hmm. this is this is all you know the first bullets were like not no big deal i thought and then at some point there were a few of those uh things that he wrote there that i found interesting that are definitely uh difficult to solve and one one for instance is if you if if some if you can edit a tweet first of all of, of, course, of course you know like what is the time frame that you can edit a tweet in but if a tweet has been edited what happens with all the likes and the retweets and what happens with all the different clients like and how does it mm-hmm. how does it kind of propel through the and if if somebody edited a tweet do you have to notify the people who have liked and retweeted that tweet you know mm-hmm. things like that because if you retweet a tweet it is kind of like an endorsement and you you're like yes you know this what he or she just said and um and then if they change it into something completely different that is even you know maybe offensive or something like that then that hangs out on your twitter profile there even though you might not mm. agree with it anymore so all these kind of implications i think are d- definitely dif- difficult to um to balance 
if you want to introduce editing in tweets. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, Twitter. It's just... Da. Da. I don't know. I really wish that um, that Twitter would just be not quite so... I don't know, broken <laughs> in weird ways. Wow. Although I did hear something interesting the other day. I heard that um, the way that Twitter is organized, um, like I know that the, like one of the big things is you know the the safety and security team or the test and safety team, um, but like the way that Twitter is organized uh, as a company. So there's this there's this law. I think it's called Conway's law, which is that. Um, the code that you write or the code that, that, that is written in a company reflects the communication styles of, the, of that company. So like if you have a company where the, uh, for example, like the front end team and the back end team are two completely different teams with different managers and like the way that you move, um, the way that, that the teams work together is just by like, okay, we're done with this code now. And then like you ship it off to whoever the next person is. Mm -hmm. Then like you end up seeing communication gaps in the same way, um, like in the code base. So like the front end and the back end tend to have really huge issues um, talking to each other mm -hmm. because the people don't talk to each other. And um, so I heard, and I, I don't work at Twitter. I haven't chatted with anybody who works at Twitter. So maybe this is unfair for me to say, but this is what I heard um, right. is that uh, the tweets team is different from the, um, the like the team that shows the tweet. So like the timeline team. So like, if you imagine like the tweets itself as like one thing, and then the timeline is another team, okay. then like it's, that's why, like, the fact that they're two separate teams is why people are, like, really angry about how they can't filter their timeline away from, like, people who are, like, harassing them and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Because that conversation doesn't happen. And so there's, like, even though as a user, it all looks seamless uh, within the company, that communication doesn't happen. And so the problems that are happening across those two things is not like those problems aren't being resolved. Um, which I think, terrible. which I think is really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds yeah. terrible. Also mm -hmm. that you can't have like <laughs> that you can't, it doesn't seem like you can have emergency communication, you know, like, okay, we yeah. have this huge problem. Like people are being harassed. Like let's bring those two teams together into like a, like a camp or something like that for two weeks and let's figure this out or something. That's weird. Mm -hmm. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. But these are kind of the two big problems that uh, people are um, complaining about is the harassment problem and them not mm -hmm. really taking care of it. And then also people want to edit tweets, but then, right. yeah, but then they introduce something Here's uh, more characters. Right. And again, like that's, that's another situation, right? Where it's like the tweet team, like is like more characters and like, they're like doing really cool stuff, but like the trust and safety team 
is a completely different team. And so like that conversation isn't getting to happen quite the way that mm-hmm. I think they want it to. Um, so it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Interesting, yes. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is interesting uh, in uh, in your world? Oh, what else is interesting? Um, so this is like an older thing, um, but a lot of people might not know about it. Um, there's this new hiring service. So like, um, at least in the United States, I know when people are looking for jobs, um, like when you're applying for a job, often you'll like go to a company's website and then you'll like fill out an application, like you'll fill out like a form and then, or whatever, or maybe you'll do it via LinkedIn or there used to be, I'm sure there still are, but there's like all these different job search sites like monster.com and like, I don't know. I, to be totally frank and honest, I have not used one of those sites in probably 10 years because once you have a, a, you know, a network of people, like it's just really easy to use your network to get jobs. But anyway, um, but one of the big things, one of the big conversations that is happening right now in tech is how to remove biases, especially unconscious ones, from the hiring process, right? So, like, there have been plenty of studies that show that if you have the exact same resume and you have, um, like, if you were to take the, like, have one resume, but then change the name at the top. Um, so, like, let's say one is, um, you know, a, a, a traditionally, stereotypically, feminine name and then the other one is a traditionally stereotypically masculine name uh it could be literally the exact same exactly the same resume and the the one with the masculine name will tend to get picked more often or um you could take a you know traditionally stereotypically uh or a classically stereotypically like white name versus a classically stereotypical a black name and again the white one will get like you know like so the person who who's who fits in the majority tends to get selected same exact resume so Mm -hmm. like this is a thing that uh hiring managers are like i i'm sure i have unconscious biases i need diverse teams i don't want to have to like worry about this stuff how can i solve this problem and then also large from a larger perspective there are people who want to apply to companies but they're afraid that, you know, based on their name or whatever other factors over which they have very little control, um, they're going to be passed over for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So um, there's this new hiring service called Limbo, which is an anonymous hiring service, um, which I think uh, has potential to try to do things a little bit differently. And the way that they what they do is... Um, they, so their whole thing is, um, you fill out an online profile and they remove all, all information about like your name. Um, and like, like who you are, like there are no, there's no gender in there. There's no, um, like there's no race, there's no ethnicity, no religion, no, uh, like, like veteran status. Like there's very little information in there. There are check boxes that you can say, I'm an underrepresented minority, 
Um, but otherwise, like your name is not like it's actually kind of cute if you if you try to create a one because I'm hiring a bunch of people and I like want to know how this works. Um, you actually like if you create a profile, <laughs> if you post a profile, it'll actually it'll give you a pseudo name. Um, and you can like change it a couple of different times. And like, it's like, uh, a word and then, uh, a middle initial and then the, like, and then an animal. So like retain a leopard or reflect <laughs> O hippopotamus, right? Likely V Cobra. Like, it's just really cute. And it's just like a randomly generated name that has no information in it whatsoever. But then you can say things like, um, you know, what's your domain, technical management, design or product? How many years of experience do you have? Do you want to work remotely or local or whichever? Um, uh, you know, what's your title, your ideal title? And then like, so like it's, it's trying to be a little bit more humane about it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what are you interested in? What are you looking for? What it, What's your experience specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a hiring manager, you can go in and you can take a look at all of these things. You could be like, okay, purely based on experience, what am I interested in? Um, and, and you can like, and if you find a profile that you like, you can say, Hey, I'm interested in you. And then like through the service, you as the applicant get an, like an email saying, Hey, so-and-so is interested in you. Would you like to de-anonymize? Um, which is also really kind of cool. Um, what this also means is that if you are working at a company and you are like, you know what, I need to find a new job. I'm like tired of this one or I've outgrown it or whatever. Um, then you can, you can basically say like, uh, like you, you can, you can apply through, like you can, you can put your resume out there through this site and even your current employer won't know that you're looking and like, cause like yeah. that's another issue that can happen yeah. if you go with one of the bigger sites or something, um, like in a stack overflow, you can, you can change your profile to say, I'm actively looking for a new job, yeah. which depending on where you're working, you might not want to be able to say that, but you uh-huh. also like, sometimes you don't always have the network that you need, um, or that, you know, could be helpful to, um, to find a job like kind of under the radar. So Anyway, so I thought that was pretty cool. Limbo.io yeah, is cool. the URL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Very cool. <clears throat> it's 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 yeah. nice. It's really like uh, you could even if you if, even if you're not really looking, just create a profile and see what happens. You know, interesting mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. what the market, right. how the market reacts. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, so that that happened. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. What else has happened in your world? Uh, so I've been reading an article about web components. Michael Rogers. Um, he mm-hmm. wrote an interesting post that perked my interest. Uh, it's called "I've Seen the Future." It's full of HTML. And he's talking about how you can actually use raw web components to, um, well, basically he opens up the article um, by saying that <clears throat> nowadays it's difficult with all the bundlers and all, you know, what what and frameworks and what uh, front-end development has become. It's difficult for newcomers to... Um, 
to 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 get started and to see what what ha what happens in the code like you can't just view source and see it and stuff and um um yeah and it's all together just a little bit more complicated and um he's been he's been looking into web components because he's been working on something called roll call where you can we can set up a call between mul multiple people and also record um record it for a podcast and 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 it's like peer-to-peer -peer driven or something with peer-to-peer -peer as well and um <clears throat> he said because he wanted to make his code he called it more pluggable which i don't really know what that's supposed to mean but and also a little bit cleaner and he was refactoring refactoring and then when he was looking into web components and he tried just using raw web components with a little polyfill library he uh, realized that he can make really cool little um, custom elements because that's what web components are basically custom elements that 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 encapsulate some sort of um, um, logic JavaScript code uh, and um, for instance like one of the like one of the um, examples he 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 mentioned was it in the article yeah it's in the article for instance you could have uh, a web torrent element where it's it's just like you know angle brackets web dash torrent and then uh, as a so and then you have a source attribute and you you add um, a torrent URL URL in there and what this web component will do is just play whatever that torrent URL points to if it's music or a movie or whatever it'll just play it you know without you having to do anything mm -hmm. you do all you do is just import the code for this uh for this web component and then you use it in your code and uh, other thing could be a markdown element where um you have um you know angle brackets and then mark dash down and then and then you have an opening markdown uh, angle bracket thing and a closing one and in between you can put markdown code and then it will just render that in the website and it and it, it doesn't come with anything like it, you don't have to uh babble or anything um to 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 make use of it um so basically what he is using is a little polyfill in case you know your br the browser does not support web components and then the rest is just um, a little bit of javascript code and then creating this html element this web component element and it's very clean and all he uses he says is a little bit um is uh um uh, browserify and just normal html and, and that polyfill and <clears throat> yeah and it's and it's he's he's apparently really digging into it he recorded a little episode or a little audio interview with alex russell who i think wrote some of the spec of web components uh, i didn't mm -hmm. listen to that yet i'm going to i'm definitely going to listen to that very interesting I, f I find it interesting to see how there is in the in the javascript and in the framework of framework framework world javascript framework world there is kind of a move towards web components or it's becoming more interesting because that is because that's the baseline uh, for <clears throat> interoperability between the frameworks, because all the frameworks use components. So why not all use the same kind of components or at least be like, why, why shouldn't they be able to compile to uh, these components so that they can just be used by any framework or even without a framework? 
Um, so, um, yeah, so I found that interesting. I found also very interesting that Michael is diving so deep into it and is becoming a proponent, proponent for it. Um, kind of, it's, it's, it's a strong signal for me that it's becoming, um, a thing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, also, I talked about this a while ago too. There is this, um, compiler. Oh, And this will also cycle back to the whole word, to the whole, whole uh, WordPress thing. There was this compiler that was written by uh, Jason Miller, the Preact guy. He wrote this compiler that can take um, single file Vue.js component or Polymer component or Preact component and take e- e- either of these components and then render that into a highly optimized Preact component. So there is some interoperability there already. And um, in a follow-up post to the announcement that Facebook made that React is now moving to MIT, um, Matt Mullenweg, he said that after he posted his first post where he said, oh, we're moving back from, we're moving away from React, um, there was a lot of discussion on the internet on Reddit and some other places um, where they were exploring different, you know, uh, alternatives to React. And he said that they already made the decision now that in the WordPress core, they're still not going to go back to React, even though it's MIT, um, because they found out about this possibility to be interoperable between different frameworks. And he was mentioning Polymer and Vue.js and Preact, which kind of makes me think that they found out about this compiler that was written by Jason Miller. And that's what they're going to try mm-hmm. to integrate. And um, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. It's just kind of, it's, it seems to be kind of a, a um, something that's happening currently. Like at the forf- at the forefront mm-hmm. of JavaScript frameworks, which is which is great. I think that's a very interesting. Mm-hmm. Web components mm-hmm. for the win. <clears throat> for the win. Oh, and also one <laughs> one one important uh, point also for him was that it's those web components are completely npm installable. So. Nice. You distri- yeah, you just distribute it via npm. You 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 make a little build. Um, so that people can just um, npm install and then require it and then just use it in their bundles. Like you can bundle them, but you can also um, all these uh, web components that are distributed by npm can also be automatically um, automatically CDN'd by JS Deliver. Also, you can combine it with JS Deliver, which is a service that hosts hosts your built npm or any script whatever on a cdn and then you can also just use them via the cdn or you can bundle them so this is this is this seems very yes this seems really like something that's doable now like it's 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 very interesting it's very cool and people are getting used to it like i think web web components have been a little bit um on the outs because It took so long for them to kind of get into a place where now uh, the technology is kind of thought through better and everything. And um, maybe now is the time where it's going to be picked up a little bit. <clears throat> cool. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Um, 
I also I'm saw. Trying to think if there's any other major things. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I also what saw this. Uh, the, so, so Stack Overflow, the people over there, they hired a bunch of data analysts. Um, okay. This year, and what they do every year is they do they do a. Uh, they do a what is it called? Like a questionnaire where all the they ask all the developers to fill out a big long form about what's hype what's good what do they do like all this stuff they want to find out information about them and so these data analysts they kind of analyze the data that's coming back but they're also analyzing just data um, on stack overflow so and this one um, analyst he wrote an article about python being the fastest growing currently the fastest growing um, uh, language because and he's doing that by analyzing the traffic on Stack Overflow and the questions, like which kind of questions are being asked and answered and what are they relating to in which programming language and in within the programming language, which frameworks and all this stuff. So there was a big article about Python growing and I think and faster than JavaScript, like just the fastest growing language. And I found that I found that interesting. Uh, I read that article. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. okay, that's that's curious. Like, why is that? Is the renaissance renaissance of of Python? Why is that happening? And then he wrote a second article where he answers that question: Why is Python growing so quickly? And it turns out that Python is used in a lot of machine learning stuff, and because machine mm -hmm. learning is something that's the is the current hype in software development mm -hmm. i would say and ai and machine yeah. learning and stuff oh yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> that's the reason why python it has this massive growth right now because a lot of uh, frameworks and open source stuff for machine learning uh, has been written in python and it seems to be the preferred language for that currently that's it i mean the yeah. article is very interesting we'll link it up in the show notes uh, he puts up all kinds of different uh graphs and everything and but mm -hmm. yeah it's uh python is huge oh and uh, the growth mostly comes from frameworks that are used for machine learning also yes yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah um the uh a friend of mine actually has started this uh, new language, or like, he didn't start it, but he and, and a bunch of people, um, there's this, uh, it's kind of like machine learning, but not, and it's called STAN. Um, it's an open source project, um, uh, and it's like, it's kind of like, imagine, it's it's... It's for doing statistical analysis. <laughs> it's a statistical modeling tool. Yeah. Which is like, um, and like, it's not, okay, so um, they say that uh, users rely on STAN for statistical modeling, data analysis, and prediction in the social, biological, and physical sciences, engineering, and business. So like, it's like, even deeper than machine learning. Like I think I think people are thinking machine learning is just like the really hot cool thing for like how to solve any problem you could possibly ever have, which is a little bit unfair. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I know, uh I need to 
you know, uh, communicate with thousands of people. I'll build an app. And it's like, mm, an app is not necessarily the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Stan is a, is a cool, open, like if, if, if machine learning is something that is really interesting to you and, um, and more importantly, the why does machine learning work? Um, it might be worthwhile to, um, to play with, uh, you know, something that's even deeper on a statistical level. Mm-hmm. Um, called stan so and we can we can post that in the link it up in the in the show notes as well yeah i mean this is this is for like super duper hardcore wanting to get into the nitty-gritty type people right i am not that person but if you are (laughs) (laughs) check out stan it is open source um and uh one of my my classmates from, from college uh, or university mm-hmm. works on the project. So mm-hmm. anyway, just thought I'd kind of give that shout out. Um, yes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think that's, that's it for this I think, week. I think we've wrapped up our, oh, our time oh, for this week. I, I, I didn't talk yeah. about, I totally, totally relaunched my blog. I didn't. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. Yes, I totally did that. I did it with uh, what's his face, Hugo. So it's a, it's a day. So I'll just do that real quick. It's uh, it's now a static site, static site generated with Hugo, which is written in Go. So it's super fast, really fast, uh, which is nice. And it's hosted via Netlify. Once again, I have to shout out Netlify because. It's hosted with their free plan, and I have the HTTPS free on there again. And they just out of the box support Hugo. It's so great. Like I, I am just I. Whenever I push anything like a new article or just you know change the code a little bit or anything, push that to my Git repository on GitHub. It just automatically just pushes it onto Netlify and does a new generates a whole new page right there on the servers. Like I don't even have to do that, do that locally. Like it just does that with my source files mm-hmm. on their servers and then mm-hmm. posts it and stuff. It's really cool. Very, very nice. And, um, and the design of the blog was inspired by um, a design that was, uh, like a, a little ex- design experiment with fonts by Magalhini, um, who actually finally moved to Canada to work at uh, what's what's the place again? Shopify, I think. So that's exciting. Yes, Shopify. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we got to got to get him <laughs> on to talk about that. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it was inspired by that. But then I was just looking around and uh, looking for some some uh, like just font pairings. With uh, and I found a really nice font pairing with a mono, monospace font for the body text and uh, yeah, a big like fat font for like just the wordmark and uh, I really like that. So st- stuck with that and uh, it worked out pretty well, I think. So uh, so now I just have to keep on keep on writing. Uh, I haven't been writing, keep writing. with with all the with all the par- par- parental leave going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just take a break it'll be fine it'll be fine yeah but i did but i did write an article uh that i had a little fun with this whole uh react mit thing where i was kind of inter was kind of uh 
I, I, I'm kind of setting up the narrative that that Matt Monwig single-handedly changed the React license with his post and kind of uh, translating his little <laughs> blog post, the little parts in there uh, to what he really meant, what he really said to the Facebook team or React. Yeah, no, that was yeah. fun. Um, yeah, so that was that. So yeah, that's the end of the show. Raquel. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah let's, let's uh yeah so um yeah so look everybody should come hang out with us in uh the slack uh channel the reactive slack channel which you can find a link to in our show notes which you can access at reactive.audio that's right and also uh, if you want to leave a review if you like the show definitely leave a review on iTunes. You'll find the link in the show notes as well. And we are also at reactive pod on Twitter and I'm Khalil tweets on Twitter. Yeah. And I am Rockbot on Twitter and you can reach Henning at H Gladdergots. Um, and, uh, tweeted us, but you know, like that's cool and all, but you're limited to 140, maybe 280 characters. Whereas if you come into our Slack channel, <laughs> you can have entire conversations with us with ease. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So see you in the Slack channel and we'll catch you next week. That's right. Bye. Bye. Everyone. Bye. <laughs>